Welcome to the Pickleball Addiction Podcast. Today I'm excited to talk to Will Chang, also known as Pickleball Will on YouTube, to talk to him about the creation of pickleball content from some of the biggest names in the industry, as well as for his own YouTube channel. Welcome, Will. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Great to be on. Thank you for having me. No, well, thank you for, thank you for taking the time. Is this your first interview from out of the UK? Out of the UK, yes. Not my first interview, but definitely my first interview out of the UK. So that's pretty cool. I can, you know, check that off my my bucket list. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So now we have Thanksgiving because obviously you had a... What time is it for you now right now? Uh, right now it is 9.15 a.m. Uh, okay. for me. Respectable. And, respectable. Right. Respectable. <laughs> right. Not a big deal. And what is it over for you? What, uh, you're in the so afternoon, cool. I'm assuming. Yeah, 3.15 now. So get towards go. the end of the day. Yeah. But yeah, no, so yeah, thanks. Thanks again. Um, if you don't listen or watch uh, uh, Will's podcast, then uh, or, do, you have it on, do you have it on audio as well? Because I need to watch it on YouTube. But do you have it as an audio, your podcast? Yes, Will we do. Channel? You can you do. Yep. You can catch it on Spotify, I think Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Chris made sure that you can listen to us wherever yeah. you go. Well, that's Pickable Studio, so that's like the one you co-host, right, with Chris. But I was talking about your Pickable Will uh, YouTube channel. Do you have that? Any of yes. that audio as well? Yeah. Um, uh, there's no audio. I have no audio for my own uh, personal mm. channel. Most of that is just video related. Uh, so, yeah, there's no yeah. Uh, yeah, separate show there that is like my own podcast. Although I have thought about it, but... Uh, it would just be way too much work for me to handle right now. Maybe in the future, I'll do a separate podcast where it's just uh, me and my thoughts, but we'll see. Okay. All right. So you can check it out, Pickable Will's uh, YouTube channel, but also Pickable Studio Podcast, which is one of the best podcasts, uh, Pickable Podcasts out there. So if you haven't already listened to it, you should. Um, so go subscribe. So for people that haven't heard about you or, or watched any of your channel, or even for people that have, you we could get a little bit of background about yourself. Well, uh, can you tell us how you, how you got started into Pickleball? Yeah, I think my origin story is much like everyone else's. Uh, I started playing Pickleball at least more heavily uh, during the dawn of the pandemic or maybe a little bit into it. I did play once or twice before then. Uh, I saw a few people playing at some recreational centers while I was there swimming or playing basketball. Um, and I thought it was very interesting. It was cool. And I, you know, picked up a paddle and I played and I thought it was fun, but I was still heavily into tennis at the time. I even played a little table tennis uh, back then still as well. Um, but it didn't really, I don't know, maybe the level was not as high, so it didn't really catch my interest. Uh, but then during the pandemic, I was trying to play a lot of tennis uh, with my uncle and his friends, we play a lot of doubles, but they locked up all the tennis courts in our neighborhood, in his neighborhood, around the town. And so he invited me over and he set up a pickball court in his driveway. I don't even think the dimensions were correct <laughs> now that I think about it. I think the kitchen was uh, six feet from the uh, the net and I think it's supposed to be seven feet so I don't know I could really reach in and hit but I had a good time playing with him and then it wasn't until I was driving by like the next town over and they had some dedicated courts when I drove by I saw a lot of people 
on these courts and I and I thought it was a tennis court and I was like I've never seen so many people like on a tennis court and um and I thought all the courts were locked up so I actually drove in to see if they were tennis courts to so I could play tennis essentially but there were pickleball courts and the first time I saw <laughs> dedicated courts and then uh I saw some people playing and then one of the people there needed a fourth and they invited me to come play with them I didn't have anything. I was just driving by, but I said yes, and uh, nice. That's that's when I started playing some really high level players, and I got and I got destroyed, and uh, <laughs> I never had so much fun losing. So I just came back, and then after that, you know, I just kept on playing, and I was addicted. I had the bug. Went every day, every single morning, you know, and I just played and played and played. So that's kind of how I got started in pickleball. Nice, nice. Okay, yeah, so yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, to, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a bit different to uh, I don't know some people's origin stories. Yeah, like I I was wondering about that. Like, what is the origin story? You know, with you and there, I'm I'm going to assume that it's a bit more uh, like grassroots. Like, you know, people are setting up and lining up some sort of courts at their gym or somewhere or at their playground, and then there has to be some sort of I don't know, ambassador of some sort who's trying yeah. to get people to come and, and play and gain interest in the yeah. sport. No, 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 yeah, I guess, I guess everybody's a bit different, right? So, yeah, I, I guess everyone thinks that the, the standard story, I guess, but I guess mine, if I, if I think about mine, it's a little bit different too. So, but is, uh, it, is it, is it done like that? Like, do you have courts over in the UK? Yeah, or? it's all badminton courts. So, um, like, Pretty much like all badminton courts. So um, okay. occasionally, like we'll have competitions or festivals, which are uh, they tape out courts on tennis courts, and you can use like outdoor balls, and like that's just a whole lot more fun. Like the English Open this year, they had like rollout mats, like um, you know the rollout mm. carpets where you can, but it's kind of more dedicated. But there's hardly any dedicated courts like uh, at all in the UK at the moment. They're going to be coming next year, but right now. It's all everyone's playing on wooden floors and badminton courts and like squidgy indoor balls. Gotcha. Okay, that's cool though. Very, <laughs> uh, you know, grassroots. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I went out to Arizona early in the year, so I managed to get a taste of like what it's like. You know, once nice. once it's been more established. So. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so are you full time in pickleball now? Yes, um, I'm full time in pickleball. Went full-time uh, earlier this year. I mean, technically I was full-time the years before, but I, like now 100% of my focus, like, you know, before I would do other video jobs and odd jobs here and there to make ends meet. And then beginning of this year, I said, okay, I'm going to put my sole time and focus like into pickleball. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's worked out. For me, even though I've been like kind of working in pickleball and doing my my channel for I don't know, I would say a year and a half to two years, even prior to the start of this year. But yes, I am full time in pickleball now. Yeah. Okay, so you didn't have like a particular career or anything before you started doing pickleball. Mm, it's kind of more like a career in pickleball, or you mean just before before pickleball? Like what? Nah, like I I did a lot of odd jobs before. I mean, I've I've uh, worked uh, teaching tennis for like about 
two and a half, three years, and then also off and on, like afterwards, I was in government, like contractual sales and like proposals. I've done um, like IT sales. I've done uh, like I worked in the mortgage industry for a short period of time, but just nothing really stuck, you know. And I just I don't know. I, I really just didn't like it, and it wasn't until pickleball. Um, that I said, okay, I'm I'm gonna do this, and then also I I did work as a photographer and videographer for like an actual uh, co uh, company, and then I did some freelance like photography and videography work uh, as well. So yeah, just a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah, bits and bobs. Okay, that that sounds cool. So. One of the things you do, so we'll go into like you work, you do a lot of content for a lot of different people, right? And we'll kind of start covering that. But like, I guess you started out with with Chris um, and doing the Pickleball Studio. Um, when did you first like get acquainted with Chris? Like, how did you first meet and how did that happen? <laughs> Hi, Mark Mars here. I hope you're enjoying the show. This podcast is sponsored in part by the Pickleball Addiction Store and newsletter. To support the show, please check out the Pickleball Addiction Store at pickleballaddiction.co where we stock a wide range of paddles, balls, nets, and other accessories. Use coupon code POD10, that's P-O-D-1-0, to get 10% off your first purchase. You can also check out the Pickleball Addiction newsletter at pickleballaddiction.news, where we cover the latest news in pickleball from the UK and around the world. Thanks for your support, and now back to the show. Yeah, that was, I think, near the end of 2021. Um, Chris and I actually started around the same time. Uh, I was doing videos for pickleball like for fun, and this was when the chainsaw serve was still legal. And I made a video on the chainsaw serve, and then shortly after, I'm pretty sure he did too. He, his came out maybe like a couple days or a week right after mine, and I remember seeing his. And because at the time, there wasn't a lot of pickleball content creators out there. And if there were, uh, they weren't of, I guess, high quality. And Chris had really good quality. And this is when I was just starting to get back into photography and video because I was looking for work and my skills were a little rusty. So I, uh, I, I reached out to Chris on social media and I said, hey, I really like your work. I would love to collaborate with you and then also to kind of like learn from you because I could tell he's good and his skills are more polished than mine. So it was more of like um, a personal, like professional development. And so mm -hmm. I hit him up and he kind of reluctantly said yes. And I made it as easy as possible for him. I said, I will fly up to you. I'll get my own place and we can play pickleball. We can make some content together and uh yeah and at this time i was broke i i didn't have any money i didn't know if this was going to go anywhere it could have been a total flop but uh <laughs> yeah I, I put that flight and that airbnb in the car rental on my credit card and i went up there and then we just hit it off like and we became really good friends and uh then we just you know started making more videos like together and we would critique each other's videos and help each other out. And, uh, like, and that's how kind of the podcast started because we would just talk about pickleball all the time. And I said, 
Chris, we have all this audio equipment. We have all this camera equipment. We should just record our conversations and turn it into a podcast. So the podcast was actually my idea. Like the first ah, pilot yeah. episode is actually on my channel. And then when he started, you know, getting more involved, he was like, hey, man, do you want to put this on your channel? This is kind of your idea. And I said, no, let's put it on your channel. Because at the time he had a larger following. I think I only had like a thousand subscribers and he had maybe 6,000 at the time. So I said, no, just put on, on yours. Like I want people just to hear our conversations. And uh, yeah, we just uh, kept on making content together. And that's how I kind of met Chris, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I, I was listening to some of the early early podcasts that you were that you done the early videos you've done and then did you have a different name for it at the start was it called the not pickable podcast yes the, that was <laughs> that, yeah it was we didn't have a name yet so we were like what are we going to title this and i said just title it a not pickleball podcast and i kind of <laughs> i kind of liked the name of that i thought it was a little cheeky and it was kind of funny um and it was memorable, in my opinion. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like you're li what podcast you listen to? Oh, we're listening to the Not Pickleball podcast. I think people would remember. <laughs> but uh, he rebranded to the Pickleball Studio podcast, and I think that's perfectly fine. Um, uh, it makes the branding of the podcast and, you know, association with him much stronger. So mm -hmm. uh, I'm perfectly cool with that. Yeah, yeah, nice. So... You're based in, is, are you based in Tulsa, right? Yes, I'm based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And for you listeners out there that don't know where that is, that's a state just north of Texas. I think I think most people, um, like even around the world, like heard or know about Texas. It's one of the larger states in the continental United States. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm based out of, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Cool. And, and what's, what's growth been like? in Tulsa specifically of pickleball. Oh yeah, it's it's been growing. Maybe not as like strong, I would say, as some other places, but it's still pretty strong. Uh it's it's not as large, but I mean we we're just about to open up our first indoor facility here. Uh and I don't know, I've I've only been here for about a little over 2 years. I'm originally from Washington DC. And the growth here has been pretty crazy to me. I think when I first got here, I could go to our public courts. I wouldn't have a problem finding, you know, a free court to go play on. And now when I go, they're always packed and they're all packed with younger, like people and kids who are now mm. playing before it was, uh, you know, much older individuals who would be out there playing. Uh, so yeah. yeah, we have like, uh, and then I know they're building out some some more courts, and uh, yeah, this whole area it's just it's just growing. I wouldn't say it's growing as fast as some other places, but I think that's t kind of a good thing because I want the city and our community to kind of I want the supply and the the demand for courts to kind of match each other. Because I go to some other cities and there's a lot of people playing, but they don't have enough courts you know, or court time or parks to play at. And over here, although I do th still feel we could use some more courts, it doesn't feel that bad just yet, you know, where you're struggling yeah. to find places to play. Okay, yeah, 
Yeah, I know it's definitely like that in some places in the states, right? Or it's it's a nightmare. It's a touch yeah. Try and get a game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I know uh, New York. It's a bit tough. They just built out some. Uh, dedicated parks and courts in Chicago. I just visited my brother in Chicago. Um, surprisingly, in certain parts, in certain cities in Texas, it's kind of hard. Like, you'd think that in Austin, Texas, where the home of where, like, the ranchers pick a ball team, where a lot of the pros play, like, they would have a lot of public courts there. But mm -hmm. there's actually not as many as you would think. Like, at least not enough <laughs> to meet the demand of the people playing there, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. but I think it's getting, it's getting better. Uh, I think it's just public courts. There's some private stuff, you know, that you can find around, but yeah, public courts though, it's harder to find. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so now you, you're, you know, you're spending a lot of time, your time creating pickable content, not only for your own channel and with Chris, but for other people as well. Yep. So you've gone from being the student to being the uh, the master, right? So, who who do you create content for right now? <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, right now it's actually just me uh, and Selkirk. Uh, mm -hmm. Those are the only people I create content for. And I guess I used to create some content for Chris. Um, you know, he hired me to do a few edits for him, but uh, he quickly told me that like you should focus making your own stuff. Like it'd be much more fruitful, you know, for me. And, uh, you know, I agree. Uh, and let me see before that I was doing some stuff for Zane, Zane Navratil. And then I did make some content or covering some events such as some tournaments, like for the beer city open. Um, and then of course, you know, with working for Selkirk, I, essentially covering sometimes I, I cover some of the Selkirk pros like at tournaments and things like they will ask me uh you know occasionally or if I want to go to a certain event and to help cover some of their players because yeah, you know you didn't do anything for Jordan I thought you did stuff for Jordan Brionis at some point as well but did I imagine that um I did well it's like those are like I didn't do an actual um you know, set of videos, it'll be like one-off videos. And a lot of those things are collaborative, right? Mm -hmm. They, like, I'll see Jordan, I'll help him record a video, I'll be in his video, and maybe I'll help him edit that piece or that portion, and that's about it. But there's no formal contract or long-term, uh, you know, uh, working agreement, you know, but mm -hmm. I am in a few of Jordan's videos. I'm also in some of uh, Kyle Kazuda's videos, um, you know, that pickleball guy. And of course, yeah. uh, Shay Underwood as well. You know, when I see these guys, they have video ideas. I'm usually one of the first to like, kind of raise my hands like, yeah, let's, let's make <laughs> this thing kind of come to life, your idea come to life. And I'll take whatever role that they need. If they need me to stand in and be in the video, I'll do that. If they need help editing some of it, I'll do that. If they need help directing it, directing the video or consulting about the video. Uh, so, you know, whatever roles that they kind of need, uh, I'll usually fill in. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of just what I like to do is to just help other people create 
content, you know, especially if, if I have time, uh, you know, it's been a lot harder now, now that I'm focusing on my own channel and obviously I have to help sell Kirk and they have a lot of content being pumped out right now as well. <laughs> so what does what a normal day look like for you? Oh man, uh, the normal day for me is, you know, I wake up, I check emails uh, from Selkirk to see what projects are on the docket, if there's any small edits that I need to do or maybe thumbnails that they need for me to create. Uh, right now I'm going through like the backlog of stuff that I've already created for them in the past and now I'm moving it to a page on their website uh, for Selkirk University and uh, you know just looking at the the product timeline right in the pipeline to see what's coming up and then I have to check after that it's uh, basically after I check my emails it's shipments I usually have a crap ton of like shipping notifications either from other companies or from Selkirk and I list them out and I try to track them to see what I'm expecting right because ah, right, I don't want right. to lose any packages any paddles any products bags things like that because it has happened you know before so that's the thing that I do and then of course um, I'll collect packages from the previous a day or a couple days and then uh, I try to see and figure out what they are and see if I need to make a video about it you know and then I'll unbox them organize them and then after that it's kind of just like you know getting like brunch or getting like a late breakfast and then after that uh, the days depending on the day of the week I will either be focusing on one like creative task like you know, it'll be an editing day. And then another day will be a day where I focus on just writing scripts for videos. And then um, another day will be focused on uh, just more like administrative work um, or planning. And then mm -hmm. some days I'll focus on uh, being on the court and testing out paddles and, and playing and capturing like content on the court. And then another day I'll focus on capturing content like in studio, like a role, like where I read out the scripts that I've written out. So um, it's not down to an exact science just yet, but I'm trying to develop more structure in my week as I get busier and busier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. That, that sounds cool. I think I could take a leap out of your book. Um, I'm struggling with that. I, yeah, I flip from task to task too much. <laughs> I mean, I have I have a newsletter, yeah, right? A UK-based newsletter like the Dink, um, but for UK-focused mm -hmm. stuff. I, you know, I focus on that on one day, but I do too much of like, I do a bit of social media here and then a bit of admin here and a bit. I need to just do yeah. full days like you, I think. <laughs> yeah, full days where you can just focus on one task or item it's it makes you more productive and it kind of like helps you get in the zone and you can imagine and i can imagine for you that if you know you're focused on writing and then you got to focus on editing you got to change apps or you know if you're recording at least for me i have to you know move my camera around and set up things differently and if i try to do all that one day it just adds up you got to batch kind of like the work a little bit you know for yeah. it to be better for you yeah yeah 
yeah, I'm still feeling my way around kind of what it is I'm doing. So yeah, it has been a bit ad hoc. But yeah, I've been feeling lately I need to get more structure in and I think that that might be a good way to go. I'm, I'm going to do that. <laughs> so, so is there anything new like you've got we can expect from yourself or from the stuff you're doing with Selkirk or anybody uh, that you're able to share like, you know, coming up in the next few months or so or is there more of the same? Oh, like you mean... Like new as in what? Like you mean like products? New projects. Or... New, oh, new products. Could be new products, but I was thinking like new project stuff. Something you might be starting maybe with another brand or with just Selkirk, something that you're doing with them or yeah. for your own channel. Well, let's see. Well, um, for Selkirk, I probably can't talk too much about some up and coming products, uh, but I think I can tell you that they are revamping like their whole entire lineup for next year like a whole refresh and updating some mm -hmm. product lines i think updating a lot of the product lines so stay tuned for that um in terms of projects i mean yeah i have a bunch of projects so i'm currently i i haven't really told anybody yet so i mean you're you'll be one you're one of the first to know i guess but i just kind <laughs> of launched a website and, uh, you know, similar to like how Chris or John Q does it, it's just an about me page, you know, it'll have my blogs and it'll have some of my videos up there. It just needs to be updated, but it's up there. It's out in the wild. I just haven't really marketed or let people know that it's out there yet. I probably still want to do a few tweaks to it. Um, but I'll probably start having more written content soon. Maybe start a newsletter of my own. Um, and then... I also have a collaboration that is coming up with Brayden from Pickleball Effect. We are doing some edge tape uh, with my personal yeah. like icons around mm -hmm. it. Uh, let me see if I have it with me. Maybe I can show you guys. Oh, yeah. Here it is. This is the loco. And then this is just some edge tape, you know, with my icons on it. Nice. Yeah, it's nice. kind of cool. It's just kind of fun, you know. And then let me see. Here's like, yeah, on the other side of another paddle. So, nice. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, I have a uh, bag that I'm working on with a company called ADV. I'm really excited about that. They reached out to me, and uh, you know, me and the owner, we actually have a lot in common. We are both of you know, Cambodian ethnicity, um, uh, and uh, we're also from the same town uh, in Washington, D.C., although I moved, but we've never, you know, crossed paths, but he has asked me to help him develop this pickleball bag. Uh, I'll send you a, a link to kind of like a little bit of the copy about it. There's not too much information, but I've been helping him develop the bag. It'll probably launch in Kickstarter next spring, I would say, while nice. we go through, I think, one more iteration. Um, I also am probably going to be working with Bread and Butter uh, to make some hats soon as well. And <laughs> uh, I mean, I just like, it's like a theme with me. I just kind of like collaborating and working with people in other companies especially if you know their values and their views align with mine 
and everybody has a little bit of something that I like. Uh, so there might be some more collaborations in the future. And of course, you know, working with uh, Chris, we have some ideas as well to maybe up, you know, some of our apparel. Uh, and uh, I think that's it about so far that I can think about, you know, there might be some other stuff, you know, that I've planted the seeds already, but you know, they're, they haven't sprouted yet. So probably not yeah, worth yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah. Those that's, are some of the projects that I'm working on. That seems like plenty. That sounds like quite a lot already. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a lot. So, so what's the URL of the, uh, the your new website then? Just so we can get that out of there. It's just pickleballwheel.com. <laughs> easy. That's an easy term. That's good. Yes. Yep. Pickleballwheel.com. So, <laughs> so what what um what equipment are you use, you using at the moment? Are you using Selkirk equipment, seeing as you're doing some work for them? Like, what's your... Let's, yeah, uh, when I go uh, compete in a larger tournament, even in some of the smaller ones, like, it will be a Selkirk paddle. Usually I'm testing out something new, uh, but right now my go-to paddle is the Project 006. And uh, if I go to, you know, maybe a more local tournament, or I know I need to test out paddles, like I will like pick with out of my bag, whatever that I need to test out right now, because nothing helps you test out like a paddle, like competition, right? This is where you're, yeah. you're putting everything on the line. You know what I mean? And you can really see how you and, and the paddle like perform. And if you really, really like it, right? Because mm -hmm. you're mm -hmm. trying to eke out every bit of, performance from the paddle so so right now project 006 um i am testing out the bread and butter loco and let's see the volare forza mach 2 and then uh thrive a company called thrive has a prototype out that i've really been enjoying and like playing with um so those are kind of like the ones oh and then groovin's um uh move in 16 s those are kind of like the main paddles that have kind of been in my bag that i've been kind of testing or at least that i've been gravitating towards as of late yeah no that's pretty yeah i find it hard like trying out new paddles even if i go to a festival like i just want to use the one that i'm used to because i want to win that wreck game anyway <laughs> you know it's gonna right. it's kind of um it's kind of yeah hard just to like pick up a new paddle and then just go into competition with it you must uh you know they all got their own nuances yeah. right they're a little bit different um so they yeah they are uh but i don't know i think i've played like with so many of them that i think i've developed like my own profile for each paddle like okay like this is a paddle that's more elongated or that is more head heavy or that i know plays a certain way and i kind of group certain paddles into buckets and then i'm like okay with this group of paddles i know i need to play a certain kind of play style right i mm -hmm. need to be softer on my drops or my dinks or like these set of paddles i need to be driving you know and relying on my you know fast hands to win out the points so my style changes a little bit um from the paddles that i i choose to play with right uh but i've kind of narrowed it down a little bit 
now where I have an idea of how Pav will play and then I'll adjust my play style and my shot selection accordingly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So how often do you play at the moment? How much often do you get to get out and play properly? Not as much as I would like to or not as much as you would probably think. I used to play maybe three, four times a week and now it's probably down to anywhere between one to two you know like yeah. i'll i'll add in an, an extra day if i can squeeze it in uh but i'm more busy like in the editing room or collaborating book writing <laughs> yeah collaborate and collaborating <laughs> right exactly throwing out <laughs> ideas yeah yeah that's what i've been yeah. doing a lot more of so probably don't play as nearly as much and with chris it was like the same thing but now he's got his schedule and his days figured out so he's able to now play i think i think twice a day now you know maybe wow is he times a week he'll play yeah he'll play in the morning he'll wake up super early he'll go to either uh drill well he'll usually drill um or test out paddles in the morning where he's not bothered super early come back eat breakfast and then he'll work on editing or something in the afternoon uh and then in the evening he'll go play for fun like that's kind of like how his day goes. Yeah, nice. That's that sounds pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can all learn so, from him. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's that's good. That's cool. He's like pretty committed to to improving by the sounds of it. Then. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of um, like you've been to quite a few tournaments this year. You spoke about quite a few on your podcast, like. You know, you're, you're often partner up with partner up with Chris now in like gender doubles, right? But I'm just interested. You know, what was your what was your favorite uh, event of the year this year? <clears throat> Let me think. Favorite event. Um, let's see. I would say favorite event that I competed in. Uh, I would have to say is, huh. I don't know now that I think about it. I really need to think about it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe this last, no, nah, I'm trying to think. Is it Kansas City or the Texas Open? There was, I would say my favorite event I went to was actually Beer City Open, but I didn't play in that event. I worked that event, but it was a lot right, of fun. Right. And the tournament is just really lively and the the venue's nice and i really like the setup i would say for chris and i i think the texas open you know that was our first time kind of competing with each other so that was kind of memorable and we didn't do that bad uh i was thinking kansas city open because chris and i did really well we got silver in gender doubles uh but it was just very very hot, but I really did enjoy our final match in the evening under the lights. That was really cool. And then some of our fans and our friends and our family stayed to watch the match. And we got like a large core with the lights. It felt, you know, it felt really cool to, to do that one. So maybe I would say Kansas City because it was our best performance and it was my best performance in mixed and gender doubles and uh, just playing in the evening under the lights is a really cool experience. Mm -hmm, mm 
Cool. Yeah, that yeah, that is cool when it's floodlit. It's a bit makes it all a little bit different. I just we had that actually at the Mediterranean Open. Like uh, I just been to that the last weekend and nice weather and then nice evenings and then yeah they had like well because it was the it was at the Rafa Nadal Academy right so um, oh wow they got hundreds well hundreds tens of pick, uh, tennis courts that they you know create pickleball courts on and uh but they had like a center court which was, it was hard court or was they lighted on clay no so they well he's got out there they've got like i think it's like 20 like hard courts i think it's like 12 13 like uh clay courts and they've got indoor clay courts they've got paddle courts they've got one pickleball oh, court yeah. now but they, they taped out the rest um but the the, the center court they had was kind of dug into the ground so you, know, you can you can you can you sort of look down on the court in the tennis court which they made two pickleball courts and then as they dig it down it's kind of seating all the way down so you, you kind of it's kind of in a hole <laughs> but it, but then uh, they have the floodlights like pointing down into there so that was pretty that's pretty cool that sounds really cool really epic so it was almost like stadium seating yeah you know, you're looking down uh-huh uh-huh yeah for sure but that's, oh, yeah, that was, yeah that was cool so but yeah, it definitely under floodlights. It's like any sport under floodlights. It just feels better for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it, there's a feeling that you get. I think you play better. It just makes you yeah. feel like you know you're, <laughs> you know, a professional. I guess is what you know what it feels like to be a professional <laughs> athlete to play under the lights. Yeah, yeah it gets yeah, you pumped right. up. <laughs> awesome. So, so what is it you you know if you had to say a few things? Like, what is it you enjoy most about? running a podcast or a youtube channel oh man let's see i think i think being able to like, reach out to people and like, connect with people so it's it's all the um ancillary things that come with running the the channel right so when i go to an event and like people like see us you know and they know us and they love the, the pod they love the content it's just it just makes it easier to connect with people and to like start a conversation and talk to people. I think that's really cool. And if you know the videos have helped out these people, um, uh, or they enjoy it, they you know they smile about it, they find enjoyment out of it. That is the best part, I think, of running the channel. Um, you know, and meeting the fans and the people who are engaging etc that is that is the best part but the other stuff uh i don't know it, it sometimes it gets fun but it can also get you know dry or boring too like just all the, the amount of writing that i'm doing and the amount of filming and editing yeah. uh yeah. that can uh become a little mundane sometimes although there are times if i'm excited about a certain video or project that i do like doing it but yeah, it's all the ancillary things outside of the podcast and the channel that I like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, you were saying about like people recognizing your events. Like I was just thinking about one of your recent episodes where uh, Chris was saying that people kept confusing him for Ben Jones, like more on more than one occasion. And I just thought that was absolutely yeah. hilarious because <laughs> I know you need to look at Chris and Ben Jones and think, how did they get that? But um, yeah. That was making me laugh. I can kind of see it sometimes if you put them side by side. Uh, and <laughs> Maybe like I should do that. Smiling, you know, if he was in a bad mood. Uh, 
you, you can you can kind of see it. Like basically, what I'm trying to say is that if Chris told me or told you that he's cousins with Ben Johns, it's highly believable. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> okay, I need to I need to put them side by side properly to see this. Yeah, yeah. put it side by side. We'll see it. We'll see it. Cool. All right. Well, yeah. So you and Chris are like pretty famous for your paddle reviews. I think you kind of recognized as probably the the best reviewers uh, in terms of like content creators yeah. around. Uh, what what is I the mean, process that? Go, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. The the pro- yeah. I'll get into the process as well. Uh, I would say Chris is probably the most well known, and I'm. I sometimes I feel like I'm just known because I'm associated with Chris. Right, mm-hmm. I would I would argue that John Q is probably the second most famous and well known paddle reviewer, and it's because John goes really technical. Uh, I'm more of like how it feels, and Chris is somewhere in between. Although I know he really enjoys the technical stuff, but his quality is, you know, top notch, and his production is top notch. Um, and I would say the process is very similar for most of us. I well, well, for Chris and John at least, they probably do the uh, the specs first. You know, swing weight, twist weight. Uh, I don't have the machine to like measure that. I usually ask them to measure those for me, and then for me, I usually play with the paddle like extensively. Like, but I need to play with it for about at least I would say three to five sessions that are like two hours long to get a really good feel of the paddle. Mm-hmm. I think Chris can probably now do one session and he has a pretty good idea of, you know, where he ranks it and where the paddle kind of plays. Uh, but for me, it's like, I, I just hit around with it a lot, right? Like drilling with it, doing all the different shots. And then after that, playing with it in game and then I try to play with it outdoors and then I try to playing with it. and at least now I try playing the paddle with the different balls to make sure that my notes from each play session so it's like I, I write notes down on how I think it plays and then the next session I'll change up one variable right like before it will be indoors and the next day it'll be outdoors and then the day after that it'll be a different ball and then the day after that it'll be mostly games instead of drilling and then the next day after that uh once i kind of have some data points i will usually have another like sister paddle that i think it plays very close to and then i will grab that sister paddle right and then i'll play with both those paddles like side by side and then um that will either like confirm what i feel you know or my views or perspective about the paddle. And then I kind of go from there. And then throughout this process, I'm really trying to formulate a story behind the paddle. And the easiest way to formulate the story is like through comparison or with the the company, right? Because I don't know, for me, it gets boring just to talk about specs and how it plays but yeah. if a company has an interesting story or angle to tell with their paddle or their product from performance standpoint or something that they do with marketing etc or maybe there's some new technology or there's a new shape but there's some story behind how they're doing things why they're doing things 
that makes my job easier and more compelling for me to make a video about it. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, hearing the story is always interesting. Or even like, yeah, there's like a, you know, a story on the, within the product range as well. I kind of heard as like another great, great way to do it. So yeah, you know, there's, there's the way that the, the, the products evolved over time and like the improvements that were made, like that's kind of a good story to tell. But you're always kind of the backstory of companies. This is why I do the, this kind of podcast as well, because I like hearing people's stories and stories, stories, they're, they're, they're interesting more than just hearing product specs, like you say, right? Right, exactly. Exactly. I totally agree. Then here, just hearing lists because... I mean, some people want that, right? And the people mm -hmm. who want that, you know, they can get some of that from Chris. They can get some of that from John Q. Um, but yeah, I like telling the story and I like describing how like a paddle feels or will make you feel as you're playing because like the specs will kind of dictate how, uh, you know, you feel on court but you won't know until you actually play with the paddle right you know it's it's like it's performance it can be emotional right mm -hmm. like you could mm -hmm. play well with the paddle even though like some specifications for a paddle may not be the best for you but you can still play well with it because you're tied to that brand and that brand makes you feel a certain way right so if you feel good like emotionally mm -hmm. typically you also perform well and perform good so i think that feel you get is important which is why i like telling the story of the progression because people like to be tied to you know a story of a paddle whether it's the company or the paddle itself yeah yeah for sure okay so on your on your channel occasionally you have a feature called pros versus joes so yeah i'm just interested to hear like the inspiration around that and if you can share some of the, like the funny moments that you had doing recording some of those yeah yeah um i've always wanted to actually kind of do that i've been inspired uh to do that because there's other channels that do s similar things that i i watch from other sports channels to gaming channels you know they play against the pros or somebody much better um the main yeah. inspiration from it comes from um a channel from adam uh, brobau i don't know if you heard of him but he's Tech a very guy? Uh, yeah, table tennis. Yeah, very yeah, well-known know, yeah. table tennis um, uh, influencer. And he does that. He plays against other pros from other countries. Um, and I love that series from him. And I wanted to mimic and do something similar, you know, with my own flair. And that's kind of how it kind of began. And my first person was with Jay Devilliers. Uh, he came to town. He's good friends with another pro here in Tulsa. And Jay Davili came into town to do a clinic. And he had a session or a part of the day where you get to play with him. Um, but I remember that all the sessions like ran out. They filled up. And uh, I just wanted to play with him. And so I told Grant, which is his friend, who's the other pro, I said, hey, Ask Jay if he'll do one more set. He can squeeze another session, like right after lunch, because he had like a two-hour lunch break, I think. And I was like, if you'll squeeze another session, tell him that I will pay for three people, because it usually those sessions to play with Jay it's doubles, and each person pays like 
50 or 75 dollars to play with him mm -hmm. so it's like you know three people play like 50 bucks and then they play with jay right and i told yeah um i told Graham, and i was like tell jay i'll pay for four people if he'll play me one-on-one -on -one. and uh tell him that like i get to record it and put it on youtube and jay accepted and jay said that if i get a game off of him like it's free so like i i challenged him and i played him i recorded it i lost every single match i think we played five games um it got better but i was just so tired out and then after that uh i just knew i wanted to keep on with this series and i've been lucky enough to play with uh let's see julian arnold james ignatowicz um there was a time i got to play with kyle mcmakin and Susanna Barr. that doubles match is on chris's channel i believe uh, but he's too busy now. I don't think he's going to do that series anymore. It's kind of like my thing. So I have a few more that I need to do, and I've lined up a few other pros, or even pros who have given me verbal agreements that they would participate. Um, yeah. But I need to put some more focus into that for sure. So have you managed to get a game from off of any pro so far? Uh, yeah, I've uh, beaten Alex Truong. She is a next-gen player. She just turned 18 this year. She plays a lot on the APP. She doesn't really compete in singles that much, yeah. but she agreed to do it with me. Uh, to be fair, I've never, ever beaten Alex in doubles. Uh, so there's that. Um, uh, let's see. I think... Let me see, who else have I played? Leia Jansen, I got destroyed by. So no, I haven't beaten any of the pros yet, except for Alex Strong. <laughs> I think I would have to train a little bit more. I think the possibility is there uh, for some of these matches. Uh, like a slim possibility, but no, it's it's really hard to like keep up that level for an extended period of time, you know? And I just need to yeah, play yeah. and I need to practice a lot more. Yeah. I haven't watched the Leia Jensen one, but yeah, I can imagine that was... <laughs> she's, she's quite good, isn't she, in singles? <laughs> uh, yeah, she's good. Well, But she also... You you can kind of tell what the the vibe is when you, you go, when they agree to some of uh, these challenges. And Leia Jensen was like, nah, she went in. She's no mercy, right? Like, there was no... Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> there was no fun to be had and as soon as i got a few points off of her she said nah <laughs> she's not letting this happen so she went uh yeah she went at it and uh i'm not gonna lie it was tough uh <laughs> it was tough against her but i'm hoping my endeavors for next year are better <laughs> yeah yeah, I'm gonna watch the Lair Jansen one now. I can imagine totally that she went full game face. But yeah, that's funny. Mm -hmm. yep. Yep. <laughs> okay, like looking forward then into like over the you know in the next maybe twelve, twenty four months, like what are you seeing happening in Pickleball? What are you most excited about? What's coming in Pickleball? Oh man. What I'm excited to see is the development of inter-club uh, kind of events, you know, cross-club 
events uh-huh. and tournaments. Uh, I know, like, if you look in Arizona, they have the orchard and they have different, yeah. the different neighborhoods, you know, they play each uh-huh. other. I think that's yeah. really cool. And even in Minnesota, where Chris is from, they have so many indoor facilities there that they've been doing clubs, like where those clubs will draft players onto their team and like they play against each other. And I think that's, that's very cool. It gives you a sense of, you know, camaraderie or ownership that you have of your neighborhood or your club or your town. Uh, Even here, now that we're opening up our own indoor facility here, um, there's already talks, at least I want to do it where we, you know, gain, we gather some of our best players and formulate some sort of team and we'll play against Oklahoma City or maybe we'll go travel down and play against some teams down in Texas from other clubs. And I I think that's going to be really, really cool. Like it'll, it'll give you, you know, some pride, right? And I don't know, I, I, I think MLP was trying to do that, but, you know, they're trying to do that from like top down, you know, to kind of give you that that sense of you know sport you know but whereas if you start it from the ground up where you develop it from you know your local community i think that will make those events like that much more engaging and and exciting yeah no definitely i agree yeah there, we have something similar like we have pickable leagues in the uk but like um trying to think yeah i mean the clubs do get involved but yeah I, I often thought about like now that when you think about soccer like one of the things is like the soccer the yes. names of the soccer teams are the names of the towns right and people get behind that because they yeah. they live from that town yeah I've, I've thought that 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 would be cool and uh to, to do in the u.s but that that venue at the orchard is insane as well right the recording quality of the the stream is amazing yes yes that's its own little event and i it would be cool to see something like that in kind of every town and then that way uh you can see the best players from that because like if you think about it the orchard that's all everybody from like arizona or like that greater phoenix you know metropolitan area and so imagine if you had something similar to that let's say in the uk or in another big city right and you get to watch it and you see who's playing then you have like video and like you have the, you have an idea of the talent pool and then like a team captain it'll be like davis cup in tennis like a team captain yeah. can like watch the videos draft their teams like hey like you know we're from the orchard we're gonna go face like whoever from like the uk and you can set that up and it become its own event um mm-hmm. and then from there uh, you know, you can create some very interesting things. Like, you know, you can hire commentators, streamers, vendors, and like, I think that will be very cool. Yeah. Well, I don't think like a... Yeah, and I'd, I'd love to do that. Yeah. I mean, I think as well, I was I keep talking on this podcast about eventually mm-hmm. in the future, when it when it's more established in, in Europe, you know, having a US versus Europe kind of style event like the Ryder Cup yeah. and you know, Davis Cup. That, I mean, awesome. Yeah, like the Ryder Cup, right, exactly. US versus Europe versus Canada. I know there's people <laughs> in Australia playing. I'm about to go to the Philippines and Taiwan to go play in Asia. Um, nice. I to, to have that 
and that's another thing I'm very excited about pickleball is kind of like the spread of it worldwide um and uh I mean that's what we need to do if you want it to you know become a larger sport and you know people talking about it, getting to the Olympics etc that I think that's what we need to do is just like kind of grow the sport from a grassroots level from like bottom up in all these other places and I mean it's happening I mean like you're have this podcast over in the UK. I know um, my buddy Raul Berrios. He, I played my first doubles tournament with him. He's from Bolivia and he's the president of the pickleball like federation in Bolivia. And he said he's in like a group chat with uh, some other people who are playing now in like Brazil and uh, some other, um, uh, you know, South American nations and Central American like countries as well. And they're trying to grow it from the grassroots level. So I'm very excited to to see what it's going to look like, right? And how uh, these other countries kind of tackle pickleball and, you know, promote pickleball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. So what, looking into 2024, do you have any kind of events that you're planning on, t- on attending, either playing or are you planning to go to any MLP events or anything like that to go watch? <laughs> What's, what's your what plans you got for 2024 um, let's see well i'm gonna go to taiwan in the philippines in january mm-hmm. uh to i mean i'm going for a wedding but i'm you know taking a little side trip to go check out the pickleball scene there mm-hmm. uh in terms of tournaments not so much right now there was a pickleball convention in kansas city that i plan on going to i'll probably do the nationals again probably u.s open um texas open and uh really i think i'm gonna focus less on i mean i know i'm still gonna go to these events and compete but i'm gonna focus less on competing and really going to events to kind of just network make content with people you know, going to other people's like podcasts and shows to do what I can to like promote pickleball. So that's kind of my game plan, uh, but it's not <laughs> set in stone just yet. It's still a lot up in there. But on my website on pickleballwill.com, I'm going to have a, a page there soon, which is going to kind of show my itinerary and update my itinerary. So like people will be able to see where I plan on to like going and where I plan on playing. So if you check that and you want to come meet me um, or come talk to me at these events, you can kind of see it. And that was yeah. one of the uh, ideas I had for my website. Yeah. Yeah. Are you planning on uh, pairing up with Chris for the men's events mostly still next year as well? Yeah, I think I'm going to pair up with him definitely for a few events for sure. But I also plan on pairing up um, with my buddy, Jeff Lee. He's another budding content creator from Austin, Texas. We're going to play a little bit more 5 um, uh, like uh, tournaments and events. Um, I think right now, as it stands, I think Chris and I have kind of not really reached people, but we're close to like the peak of what we can do together. I, I, I personally feel like I am, I'm, when I'm not consistent, a 5-0 player, but I know I can play pretty strongly at the 5-0 level, but I'm not strong enough of a 5-0 player to kind of 
um, carry Chris, I would say. And I mean, I'm more of like 5-0, like a right side player, like support player. So I need somebody who's a little bit more powerful, a little bit more explosive. And mm -hmm. uh, so I think I'm going to get that with my buddy Jeff. Uh, so I'm kind of excited to see how how that goes and kind of improve my skills there. Um, I might also travel a little bit more as a personal like coach for my good buddy Kale Hammond. He's a pro player here from Tulsa and he's going to be going to a lot more events and yeah. he tells me that he needs somebody in his corner and I, and he so he asked me cuz I drill with him. So I said, "All right, I'll come through and I'll be your coach." Okay. Nice. Nice. Um, what about do you have a do you have a partner for for mixed that you're gonna be with or? yeah um i've been playing a little bit more mixed this year like prior to like the last two events that i went to i did not play mixed at all like i never had a mixed partner but now my friend katie here in tulsa she's a coach here uh we've been playing four five mixed some five oh mixed together and we've been doing pretty good uh, she's great, uh, solid player, and uh, we have good chemistry together. And uh, like, I think it's also helping me play a little bit more aggressive. I think it'll probably help my gender doubles play a little bit more, but um, we haven't decided upon which events we're gonna go to or do, but if I go to an event and I decide to play mix, she's like number one on my list. Uh, I'll probably, you know, do a few more here and there were a few other people's uh but i still need to i guess you know see who's available it's kind of uh hard to get a good mixed partner i'm not gonna lie to you yeah yeah for sure um yeah i, I mean uh yeah I, I'm, I'm new enough on the scene and nobody at my club really goes to any of the events so <laughs> like I just get a random person kind of selected with me for, for when i attend an event i just put my name in and whoever Whoever gets matched up or gets matched up. So I'm looking forward to like yeah. getting to some more clubs that have kind of got more regular people that go to these kind of events that I can kind of then start pairing up with. Um, I think that'd be, that'd be good. Yeah. Okay. Th thanks Will for like the time, like we're at the hour mark now, so I'd want to be respectful of your time, but I just want to say thanks for, for coming on. And if people want to follow what you're doing and uh, you don't know, know where to find you, like where should they go? Yeah, you can go to YouTube and just search up Pickleball Will. Uh, you can also go to the Pickleball Studios channel as well to check out our podcast or check out our podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your pod. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram at uh, Pickleball Will as well. And then uh, I guess you can also now go to my website, which is just pickleballwill.com. And uh, yeah, I'll see you guys on the, the internet awesome yeah get subscribing all, all, all good content i can say for myself so uh yeah i really like watching your content thanks for doing what you do and um yeah thanks for coming on the pickable pickable addiction podcast yeah thanks for having me mark it was a pleasure